0: My name is Richard Morellis, and I want to welcome you to The Prison Post. This is your podcast for conversations surrounding the need to reform prisons from the perspective of formerly incarcerated people, community members, and leaders in the restorative justice movement. The Prison Post will feature an episode every Wednesday with people who are in the fight to restore lives and heal communities. Hey, welcome back, everybody. My name is Richard Morellis. I'm the host of The Prison Post. This is my co-host, the husband of the lovely Sandy Bryant. Jason Bryant here up, Jay? Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Glad to be here. And we've been doing a series uh, on our Ready for Life associates. We have our sixth associate. Um, uh, Normally, a lot of people in other programs call them participants. We, We call them our associates. And we work together closely over three months now. Key, Kiara Banks. We call her Key, Key B. Key in the house. Welcome to the show. Hey, nice to meet you.
1: (laughs) All right. <laughs> nice to talk to you guys
0: today. It's good to see you. You're looking great. And uh, you're the sixth one of the associates. We have 14 on deck. Uh, little, you know, uh, some other people are shy, but here we go. You know, one at a time, we're going to make it happen and and get to h- interview everybody to hear about your lives, to hear about your journeys. One of the things I'd like to just do a, like brief introduction um, about Key, she was a formerly incarcerated youth. Um, and now forging that pathway to stop all lies from entering the justice system, and she's proud to be a part of what she calls dismantling the system of, of incarceration. um She has a great mindset. I think she's the youngest person we've had on all 52 episodes of this podcast, and we'll get to age in a minute if it's appropriate. I think it's inappropriate when you ask someone after a certain age, but under <laughs> maybe it's not. But yeah. When- we'll- Sure.
2: When they're when when they're under forty, it's I think you're okay. Uh,
1: I'm <laughs> you not know 40. forty. I
2: just you know I drink <laughs> a lot of
1: prune. I mean I, I say prune juice. I drink a lot of apple juice. You know. Uh, yeah, yeah. My carrots.
2: Well, you know? we we know you're super mature, Key, but we also uh, you had an application you filled out that put your age, and we know you're not forty. <laughs>
0: oh yeah. <laughs> okay. You mind sharing That's how old cool. you are? You mind sharing That's your age?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm actually 22 years
0: out. 22. Um, yeah. That was That's a good great. year. Wow. <laughs> well, well what I, I was, know, at, we, go ahead. Where were
2: you at when you were 22, Rich? Prison. <laughs> okay. So it wasn't a great year. <laughs> I was, I was in prison also at 22. So well, it was nice a good, good year.
0: Cause I was still under 170. <laughs> oh, okay. <gotcha. laughs> nice. A little more athletic, That's but, uh, uh, what I want to share was, uh, I wasn't going to share, but I'm going to share it anyways, you know, there's one person amongst our associates that everybody always says, when they say the name Key, Key B, you know, they always associate it with swag. And there's this there's this song that I've been hearing recently, apparently it came out in 2014, but I never heard it. I never heard it before, but it's by uh, DJ Loaf, it's called Try Me. And when she's wearing that hat, you know, and and I and I've seen you key before, and I don't know why, but when I hear that, it reminds me of you. Have you ever got that before?
1: Yeah, actually, I've I've gotten that in high school. That you know, I could be singing that song uh, by Dave's Love, uh, but yeah, like I yeah, no, that's a that's a one hit wonder, and I don't <laughs> I don't want to be referred to as somebody that's only successful one time in their life, you
0: know. That's right. So, <laughs>
1: that's yeah. right.
2: No, that's, that's right. You're an all-star.
0: That's right. Speaking of all-stars, what, what about sports, Jay?
2: Yeah, one of, the, one of the icebreakers we usually do, Kiara, is we talk about sports to some degree. Are you a sports fan? What's, uh, what's your team?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, well, football, you know, I try to stay with the home teams, 49ers, Oakland. Bay, I just support the Bay Area fully of okay. course um, sometimes i actually go and support the baltimore ravens though as well when it comes okay. to football baseball i'm a super giants fan well i'm not a super giants fan i just say like i i played for the junior giants team when i was okay. um, in elementary and i also went to a giants banquet where i got a couple of baseballs autographed by them so it was just a really good experience and ever since then i've just been go giants that's
2: awesome. That's I've awesome. also
1: had an experience with the Warriors as well, where I went to the, um, a couple of their practices. And, you know, you know, Clay Thompson out there, Curry, passing you the ball. You know, I've had that experience. So I'm all the way just Bay Area teams.
2: Well, that's, that's dope. I'm glad to hear that. So, since you are such a heavy supporter of the Bay Area, does that mean that you are also a Raider fan? Of course. All right. That's what I'm talking about. Of course. <laughs>
1: I just like to pick
2: on you, Jason, that's all. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's been a source of uh, much heartache for me in class at times. We have a few like diehard 49er fans who uh, have no love for my Raiders. Oh, no. Uh, but I'm glad to hear that I got some support coming from QB. That's dope.
0: Oh, sometimes Luis wears that Niner shirt. He wears, <laughs> he wears it every day. Either yeah. a
2: Niner or shirt a or a something. Niner beanie or he's got a Niner cup. And it's like, okay.
0: Speaking of the Niners, um, uh, and sports, uh, I'm gonna have my first opportunity ever this next Sunday to go to a 49er uh, game. It's a training camp game, but I've never been to one before. I did go to a Giants game. I was curious if you went to the old Candlestick Park or or to the new park.
1: Um, I haven't been to any of the new parks yet, but I know it is in season right now, so I'll, I'll try to get get an
0: opportunity in. What position did you play? Uh, basketball? Did you play?
1: Uh, yeah, I played basketball. I played, um, for maybe three, three or four years. I played shooting guard, small forward, point, um, but I'm more of a shooter. I'm a great defensive player. Uh, I'm an all around player when it comes to things, honestly, uh, steals. I was MVP. I was captain of my team. Uh, so basketball really was a, a big part of my life, uh, Showed
2: me a sense
0: of like community and home when I was younger. So that's great. Key, when I when I showed um, a couple of my family members the website with with everybody there, um, all the associates on uh, on the Ready for um, Ready for Life page, they said they don't look like they ever been in prison, and they don't look like they've ever been incarcerated. And you know when you talk about sports right now, when you talk about just coming on the podcast. It's something like how how does that how are you, you know, the captain of your team but also a youth who was incarcerated? Would you take us back and tell us a little bit about that story?
1: I mean, honestly like me being able to be in sports was my outside life from home, you know, because you can go to school and have straight As, but nobody knows what's going on, you know, at home or how you' really feeling it internally or, you know, just, just everything that affects you besides school and sports when you're growing up as a kid. Like growing up in a, a single family home, having a handful of siblings and you're the only one there to take care of them. And like, you know, or at some point in life, you can't even go home and you're still a child. You know, there's, there's, there's just wet there, I don't know how, but like you end up putting yourself in situations that make you do things that you end up regretting in the long run. So mm-hmm. just because I was on the basketball team during this time, the rest of that time I was trying to figure out a, a different move. I'll, I'll say,
2: sure.
1: I was trying to figure out how to put money in my pocket and make sure you know I had everything I needed, and. That involved me being in criminal activities.
2: Mm-hmm. Now, now, key, you you were raised in Oakland, California. Yeah, yeah. And, and you you come from a very big family. Is is it fair to say? Is it fair to say that the like the community around you that there was a, a lot of criminality that was prevalent, or like that was kind of the norm?
1: Um, I mean yeah I mean yeah I guess when you go outside and you see day to day life like everything does seem normal to you 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 see people outside making drug deals you see them putting all that money in their pocket they getting all fly and stuff you see them having all the stuff you want and you mm-hmm. see them happy and you see mm-hmm. you know you see them being, and, and what your words would be at a young age as being successful mm-hmm. so yeah that look that looked normal to me. That looked, it looked normal. It looked fun. It looked appealing. It looked easier. Right. That's, you know, that's where the comfort comes in That too. When things are easy for you, you get comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. And so it's the fact that I was able to get away with things for so long, when it did come time for me to get caught up, that's when, you know, reality
2: starts to hit a little bit. Right. Right. What do you think was missing, like in the community itself, to kind of show you at a young age that there was another way?
0: Um,
1: well, I mean that's that's a good that's a good question. Like, what was what was missing? Like, maybe more of a sense of community. Maybe I feel mm-hmm. like with all of the, what do they call it, the gentrification that's been happening out here in the Bay Area.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, A lot of us have been divided up. Our families have moved out of state um, into farther cities. So, like, our sense of community, uh, mainly as, like, just African-American, we kind of start to lose ourselves a little bit when we don't have... a a home to go to, you know. So when our like our grandparents' homes are sold, every, everybody goes to their grandparents' house when they like when they don't have nowhere to go. So when they don't have that no more, um, then it's it's it takes a big toll because now people have people's families have to start over, you know. They don't have to they don't have that community anymore. So I would say like the the affordable housing um, with the the rise of Uh, the value of homes that was like a a big effect that was going on so i felt like if we just had more affordable housing available within these past maybe five to eight years um Mm -hmm. things would be a little bit better if we had a better relationship maybe with the with our police you know or not even not even just that just better job opportunities for us i had my Mm -hmm. first job at uh 14, but I wasn't always allowed to be able to do that job because I had my restrictions with my mom, you know, mm-hmm. uh, working at nights. I didn't, I was, like I said, I was the only one to be able to watch my siblings. So, you know, things are always limited. Maybe if she had more funding to help us, she wouldn't have to have work those night shifts as well, you know? So mm-hmm. I, it's, I feel like it's a lot of factors of what we could have had as a community.
0: Jason, share that you come from a big family. How many brothers and sisters do you have?
1: Can I count? Like, like, I'm going to just put like 20 out there for you guys. Like, like, Because on my mom's side. I got, I got three little brothers. But if I tell you how many kids my dad had, you would do. Yeah. That's like the rest of the family right there.
0: Is it hard to remember all their names?
1: Um. Yeah, it is. I but I have a, a obituary because my brother passed away in 2017. So it has a list of our names on them. So
0: I will grab it. At what age were you first incarcerated?
1: You know, I, I honestly think this is funny, but my first time being incarcerated was right after I turned 18, maybe like a week or two, and. It's like I never got I never got caught for any of the things that I did beforehand. I don't, I don't know if it was because maybe that that last time when I was 18, I was in more of a, I thought like I was in more of a deeper situation where I was really just for myself at that time. Like it was just me. Mm. Uh, but my first time I was 18, Let's see, I had graduated. I graduated high school in 2017. Um, I got kicked out of the house probably like a week or two after I graduated. Uh, I didn't go home for a while after that. Um, but I ended up getting into, I didn't have anything. I didn't have no shoes on my feet. So that that was like a major problem for me. I didn't have no shoes on my feet. And I need, I just needed, uh, I needed things like personal things. So I mm. took it upon myself to go. And gathered the, the things that I needed. Um and I didn't go about it, of course, the proper way. And the the police decided that they wanted to teach me a lesson. I would these this is the exact words of the police. Like, you know, I'm telling them my age, my birthday, um, and like, you know, she just turned 18. Other got other cops like, you know, maybe we should just let her go. other cops like, well, maybe we should just teach her a lesson. So I had my opinion on how that situation went, cause I'm, you know, you people like me are always angry at the system because it's not fair, and so mm-hmm. I felt like they juggled my life in their hands at that moment, you know, with yeah. them having that debate in front of me. Sure. And so that's how I, that was like my first taste of, of the justice system not being fair, you know. So that was a, um, that's a bit of my first experience going in. So.
2: I have two questions, but I, I guess we should ask them in order. Um, the first one I want to know is, like, when did you have that aha moment that you needed to do something different? That some of the behaviors you had engaged in when you were younger and ultimately, like, with your, your incarceration, that that wasn't going to work for your future? When did you come to that decision?
1: I think I came to it every time I went inside, because um, mm-hmm. I've been inside more than one time. Mm-hmm. But I think it didn't confirm that this was like a decision, like I, I have to do this was until the my last run, which mm-hmm. was last year, and I could have almost spent life in jail because of A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. That was the biggest shock for me in my like in my life, that I was gonna be in one spot for the
2: right. rest of my life. So you were looking at possibly receiving a life sentence.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So just being in there, calling my family and me feeling like I'm not going to be able to see them again, it it took a
0: big toll on me. Key, you know, there's like, we've we've shared in uh, Ready for Life that there's power and specificity. Do you remember that day? And you said this last time, you know, this last time I said, that's it. But do you remember that day and what your thought process was in the more in that moment? I mean, um, Jason and I know what it's like. I mean, he we weren't 18, but we were 20. And to be told you're gonna get life. That's that's your sentence. Life in 25, 26 to life in prison. And I just remember like thinking that I was gonna die in there. Um, and what what was I, I thought I was gonna die in there and I felt ashamed to my family, um, that I had failed them, that I had felt myself that I had allowed myself to go this far to now get a life sentence and nobody else in my family had ever been to prison. And so you're there in that moment. Do you remember that day and some of what you're going
1: through? Um, yeah, honestly, like my, the beginning of it was just, was just anger and confusion because when when I got arrested, I had a warrant and I didn't know I had this warrant out for my arrest. Um, so when I got picked up, I was confused. So I spent the beginning of it trying to figure out, did they have the right person? Cause I was looking at them charges. I was looking at them, I'm like, I'm like, they ain't, they got the wrong one. I'm like, this is not, this ain't me. They don't have me for these charges right here at all. Like I couldn't believe it whatsoever. So, it wasn't really up until I got to talk to my lawyer and she explained to me the amount of time I could get for each charge mm. that like it like everything was hitting me. Like this charge was 10 years, that charge was 25 to 60, that charge is for life. I'm like, and then she like you technically like you put all this together, you that's life. You know, that's, that's, that's life in jail. So I'm like, I'm like, I couldn't, like, I could, I still had to keep asking her, like, do they have the right person? Like, I need to make sure like they, this is me, you know? Cause like, I needed her to explain the story to me, the situation. I'm like, I was in shock. Cause I just, yeah. I wasn't ready for those type of charges. Like, even though I had did what I had did, in those moments, it, it's a completely different situation. Luckily, the courts, as y'all can see, I am here today. The courts saw it in my favor. They knew the inc- they they felt the incident was in self-defense. And, you know, maybe that was my first taste of some type of justice, but the fact that I sat in there for that amount of time and you know, I had to go through that that shock right there to get my life together, to say that I want to do something new in my life and actually change myself for the better and others. Like that, that was just, that was like the end of the line for me, not to be able to see my family again in the ways I want to, not to be able to go enjoy myself, not to be able to say I made it I felt like a disappointment when I was in there. I felt like a failure because mm-hmm. I because people people always told me that I could be more than what I am, but mm-hmm. I've never taken upon myself to go be more. I've always just done what I had to. So now I feel like it's just time. It's time to be more.
0: That's, That's awesome. awesome.
2: I want to ask my uh, my other question that was on my mind. <clears throat> Key, you were sharing about the first time that you had contact with the criminal justice system and there were the two officers that were you know juggling as you said juggling your life in their hands and i mean part of me wonders like what would have happened if um, the first officer who was saying maybe we should let her go would have won the argument Mm -hmm. And, and 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 where you might be today and not just as, as if like they just cut you loose, but if they actually you know offered you some support, some guidance and some mentorship. Um, like that that question is on my, my mind and my heart. It's more hypothetical. Um, but practically speaking, in actuality, what have been some of the consequences for you? Some of the negative effects of having a criminal conviction on your record in terms of housing, in terms of employment, in terms of your life?
1: When you asked me that question, I can instantly think of all the positive effects it would have had for me. Mm -hmm. The negative effects, I can see the answers people want. You know, okay, they let me go. That means I'm going to sit up there and be a repeat offender. That is not the case. That is not what it did for me whatsoever. Them trying to teach me a lesson just made me angry.
2: Mm-hmm. It
1: made me feel like this is maybe the life I'm going to be living now because I have this statement on me now.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: If they would have let me go, maybe I would have, maybe I would have tried to go home to a, di- to a different family member and try to find support in a different way. But instead I sat in jail and didn't know what to do. I was confused. I was, you know, I was alone. And I ended up living with what we what we would call a dopamine um, for a couple months in a car and continuing to do more criminal acts that I should not have been doing. For a long period of time, I ended up doing way too many regrettable things because I ended up being inside of there and meeting those people who said they would help me and take care of me while I was in there. I was still young; I had just turned—I wasn't eighteen for more than like two weeks. But because then people said they would support me in that time, I continued to go down that path inside with those people.
2: Mm-hmm
1: even though I was that person as well. I had ways well, it's, it's it's influenced being in there as well. Sure. People, it's people in there telling you, well, you fine, man, you gonna get out. Don't even worry about what you did. You know, it's certain you know, it's, it's certain mental that you can have when you go in there. So I feel like it would have been more positive effects for me to be, for me to be let go. And for me to spend my time in jail.
2: Where were you incarcerated at, Key? Santa Rita. Santa Rita, and is that a, that's a, is that a prison, or?
1: No, that's a, a jail. jail.
2: It's okay. a jail. It's a uh, towards Dublin prison. <laughs> what about the programs inside of the county jail? Was there anything made available to, to help you? See, that's
1: the thing. Like programs, I feel like those are really for men. I'm, that's like a, that's a man, that's a man's thing is for y'all to have more programs because
2: mm-hmm.
1: when you go with like, as a female, they don't like our funds, they feel like our funds go on our personal hygiene things that we need, you know, mm-hmm. which is like, I feel like, of course, it's a factor, but I feel like they can't hold that against us because we need those things as well. So exactly. I feel like some of our funding is, Blamed, put it on blame there but as far as programs i don't know no programs really all those programs that y'all listed like the ones y'all used to talk about in the in the crop uh cohort i don't know about any of those programs Mm -hmm. when i was in when i when i was in there that's this last time like the only thing they could offer was like support to if you had kids, you know, mm. like that's the kind of support that they'll offer you inside of there. Or they offer classes, they offer church classes, you know, so you can keep yourself together, you know? Programs are not something that I know of. Wow,
0: no. that's, that's interesting.
1: And honestly, if you guys wanted to go inside um, of any jail or any probably women's prison, They'll probably tell you
0: the same thing. And, that's and sad. those women,
1: those women are still sitting in there to this day, um, going on like maybe their ninth year sitting in there with, mm-hmm. with nothing, with their lawyers pushing them off, saying, you know, they got other things coming up, and they'll see you in the next three months, or I'll see you next year. You get one court date a year sometimes. So There's no program offering us real support until we actually get out
0: of here so in spite of that that was just last year and in spite of that here we are a year later you've completed the leadership development portion uh leadership for life uh with with uh crops ready for life program you've completed the financial literacy portion you're headed into the next the next uh um, part of the program which includes the career development training I I would like to know if Jay would unpack what that is in a a minute. But also, you go from there to here, uh, not even a year later, how did you even first hear about us, crop organization? You got five formerly incarcerated uh, proximate leaders, all sentenced to life at one time, 112 years. You're in Santa Rita County Jail. We're out here in Sacramento, starting a program out there in the Bay Area. And then all of a sudden, our two worlds interact. How's that happen?
1: Um, well, for one, it it goes right back to the streets. You know, you, I was, I was homeless. I was sleeping in my car with, with my family, the, like, before I got arrested this last time. So during that meantime, I was trying to find a lot of free housing. I was hotel hopping, couch hopping, all the stuff. So I finally got me, um. Like a, like a SRO. Some people know what an SRO is. It's a, it's like a smaller hotel room, mm-hmm. personal, sometimes, sometimes for a family. So I got, a, I got into one of those programs and uh, my caseworker, you know, my caseworker knows me very well. He's, he was going through the process with me of me being on house arrest and everything like that. And so he found a, a place for me to be now with him doing that. He, has been working with me for months and he, like I, I told him, like I would need a job. I need a good paying job so I can get out of this situation. I need to be able to take care of my family. Um, especially since I'm I'm just the main provider, that's just how I like things to be. I prefer them that way. Um, he just sent me a bunch of emails. At first it was like construction, At first it was EMT, then he sent me this one specifically for people who were incarcerated. And so that's what caught my eye off the bat. Cause I, that's all I could think in my head was like, I'm never going to get a real job because of my incarceration background. That's the, cause when I got out, I applied for a job. I got a, I'm always on myself off the rip. As soon as I get out, I got my Obama phone. Got an i got my EBT car. I was like next day. I gotta get myself together. But when I tried to apply for a job, it's like doing DoorDash or Postmates checker, you know, these these uh courier jobs where you just drive around and just drop off food. I was denied having a job because of the back of my background check that popped up. Mm. That hurt that hurt my soul. That hurt my soul that I couldn't even drop off food to somebody for a living. Just for a little bit. I, I, I know I had to do something to change. So when I found this opportunity right here to be able to be in the tech industry, and and they know that I well, whether they know or not, whether or not I've had this background and have that opportunity, is amazing to me because it's a it's a growing industry. So I can always grow within it as well, and I'll be able to provide not only for myself but in my family. I have my end goal, and I and I feel like this program is
2: going to help me meet my angle that's great what is it We're doing everything we can to ensure that's a reality that's that's for certain <clears throat> and uh just speaking to uh to richard's question so so key and her fellow associates are, are moving into the second portion of our ready for life program which is the, the, the skill portion the hard skill development and just last night um Key and I were on a a Zoom call, an orientation uh, with Climb Higher, which is going to be providing our associates with uh, CX training or customer experience training, which is inbound sales. And that that training is going to be supplemented uh, through Checkers uh, delivery of outbound sales development representative in tech as well. So we're going to make sure that uh, our associates have all that they need to, to enter into good paying careers in tech and sales, both inbound and outbound. Some pretty exciting stuff on the horizon. <clears throat> um, I wanted to ask you another question, Key, about re-entry services. <clears throat> so as you as you as you said, you've been in a couple times and each time you paroled, I'm curious what your experience has been with some of the reentry services that have been provided by the city, the state, what have you.
1: That, I mean, I think that's what I mean by, like, I really don't know any any programs that come into the jails and be like, we have these services for you. Um, well, I mean, there there are some, but you have to be, meet a certain criteria in mm-hmm. order to be a part of those programs. And so, like, I reside in San Francisco. Out here... The main programs are, if you basically are a drug addict, mm-hmm. they will house you and release you into a program within maybe 30 to 60 days. Mm-hmm. That is what we have funding for out here in San Francisco from what the, with the public eye from the internal eye can see is that that's what they care about as far as rehabilitation for people who are incarcerated is to help them get help in situations like that. But when you're somebody who committed a well, well depending on the type of crime you committed, those services are not available to you. So when I get, when I get released, yeah. I get a bar ticket, maybe some cash, and I go about my day, you know, like you
2: just, you just continue. No, no direction, no direction for a career, no direction. I've
1: never, yeah, no, I've never had like a somewhere that someone was like, oh, go here when you get out and then they'll they'll help you with this. I've always had to step there and figure something out for myself.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Key, you find out about Crofts Ready for Life program and you hear that there's opportunities upon graduation, making 65, possibly up to 90,000 starting and how do you feel about that when you learn about that a a six-month program or a one-year program you can uh you can do that i mean even with um at best um over there at doordash it might be 20 bucks an hour 22 something like that and and um you have this opportunity here with crop and it's been a pleasure working with you with jason as well and at 22, the future is bright. I wish I would go back 22, <laughs> do it all over again. But Words when you hear that
1: going strong, you know.
0: When you hear that, especially somebody who bears the burden willingly to provide for their family, what are your thoughts?
1: Lord, thank you. Um, <laughs> that's that's the first thing I want to say. Um, honestly, like it. It don't seem real. It don't seem real. You know, like.
0: Did you like think we're putting one over on you, or you think like, is this for real?
1: At first, I did. At first, I thought this was a joke. I'm like playing Jason. Jason playing. And I'm like <laughs> Jason. <laughs> Jason the, the I'm like he's not. He's not part of this program. He's too much of a joker. Like he. he this can't be real. And then. I don't know. Then we get all these like visitors come in and all these guest speakers is just giving us like real experiences and, you know, really just educating us all the things that we need to know in the future. And then, you know, uh, reality kicks in. It's like, okay, I, okay, I do need to get, get with this, pay attention. Um, then when you talk about numbers, uh, 65,000 or whether it's 40 to a hundred hundred thousand starting, that's amazing for me because I, got, I had my first job out of middle school and I think I started at, when I started at maybe like not $9, eight or $9 an hour. Um, that was nothing. That was that's that's nothing in California. Like and I'm living in I'm living in California. In
0: San Francisco.
1: Well, so, that's when I'm that is right exactly. But that's what I, that's what I was making though. Um, that's how I supported myself. That's how I put myself through high school and had my school clothes and transportation. And, you know, all that, you know that's how I had my st- stuff together. Then I moved to Georgia a couple years later. Um, actually, as an adult, I worked as a manager um, at a dollar general and still only made about $9. Mm -hmm. So I do have my, my value, um, on money. I I truly do, but I do have a bigger picture here when it comes to just having my meaning to life and being able to help other people, you know, like the money is all good, but I want to be able to say I did something. I had an effect Mm -hmm. on people. The money is gonna is gonna help me get there. It's gonna help me be able to invest in myself and and build my future. So once again, thank you. I'm highly and truly grateful. Crop is gonna, it should, it should, it's gonna shoot to the stars. I'm I'm telling y'all. I know we have uh, we had like we had government funding for this, like, yeah, this is this is pretty dope. This is yeah. like one of the best opportunities I've had in my life, so well, I, it, I for sure made sure I, I I got on it. Uh, we had testing like two weeks ago, so like that that whole week of week before was just studying, studying, studying. studying. Like whenever IC- you guys
0: the IC three, the IC
1: three. Yeah. So, what if anybody decides to join the cry program, please take full advantage of that. It is. It's it's everything. Trust me, you'll be fully comfortable with it. It's smooth sailing. I'm pretty sure, like you'll have a great teacher and the next cohort. No offense, Jason. <laughs> <laughs>
2: is, that, is that a shot? Was that like the next <laughs> cohort will have a great teacher? No, 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 mediocre, nah. but it's totally great.
1: <laughs> but I I really do support this program because mm-hmm. it. Is very supportive. Like all, everybody in the program is, is has like a different personality. So mm. no matter where you're coming from, your background, you know, Jason, Richard, they all understand where you're coming from. A lot of us don't like asking for help, but these
2: people right here, you can ask for help. So that's great. Appreciate that. Uh, your Appreciate your, your testimony uh, leads me into a couple different thoughts. The first one is. I you know, because there's such a a lack of programming in women institutions, I'm curious what your experience has been being a part of a program that is, you know, directed, facilitated, and comprised completely of formerly incarcerated people. What's that been like for you? It's safe. Mm. It's been what I
1: feel like somebody like me needed because i wouldn't have done it if this was just like a regular program honestly mm-hmm. i wouldn't have done it because I've, se- I've seen other programs like i've seen other tech companies offer their job training and the first thing that throws us off is that i got to pay for it because mm-hmm. but i can't afford that i just got a jail i just got out of jail nobody wants to hire me to pay me enough to even afford to save money to get into that program. So with this program, I didn't have to uh, pay for anything. I just uh, I did. Yeah, I didn't have to pay for anything. The the incentives were great. You know, they provided a a laptop. They provided multiple different types of training. Uh, Everything that they said that they were going to do, motivated me to continue and then they did it so mm-hmm. that that's just that's just how everything went about for me that's dope i
2: awesome. appreciate that I wanna- also i want i want to ask one more question rich before you jump in there ahead, so, go ahead, go ahead. so so earlier on when we were talking about kind of your upbringing and the community and some of the things that were missing uh the word community really struck a chord with me Mm -hmm. and, and I like to believe that, that we are building a community among our associates and inside of our organization. I want to know your experience of that community key. Like what do you think of your fellow associates and the time that you spend with them, uh, in the learning environment?
1: Honestly, like I was surprised by my associates, like they, a lot of them are very smart. You know, they're outgoing. Um, a lot of them have knowledge that I didn't expect them to have, you know, like when people think of people who are incarcerated, I was, I was expecting a group of just a bunch of thugs, you know, just in there, just hanging out, just chilling, you know, cameras off, but no, like people are here, people are talking, people are giving each other opportunities and putting each other on to things and. When some you know, if somebody don't have something, we looking out for each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. I love that sense of community and family. Like, I don't I've never been in too many programs where you could have an entire family. Like mm-hmm. maybe you'll be friends with like one or two people in the group, but I really feel like everybody in the group knows each other in a sense where they care about each other and we want to see each other make it.
0: I feel like with our with our community. We've spent more time on these Zoom calls from 5.30 to 9.30. I'm only on till 7, 7.30, but y'all have been on over three months now, going on what, the fourth month of 5.30 at night to 9.30 at night. And just the other day, you got to meet up at with, with Claudine at City Team, and you met Jason and Ted and, and Matt, and, and I wasn't able to make it out there. But what was it like actually seeing Jason or some of the other uh, associates for the first time was Did something stick out to you? Did you think he would be, uh, you know, taller or anything like that?
1: <laughs> Honestly, that's why I was waiting to see you, Richard. I wanted to see how tall you were. Are
2: you but, sure? <laughs>
1: um, Actually, yeah, Jason, you're like a, you, you're average height, man. We're around the same don't height. Don't let the secret out.
2: Don't it's let the secret out. Like six six. No Yeah, don't let the secret out.
1: <laughs> you know? You know? Everybody was like, everybody liked, I don't know. I liked it though. I like the energy. Like everything felt real right then. Like for me, since I'm so young, just being in the situation where we were all talking about, you know, business and just getting our stuff together, making sure things were organized, that felt like a real moment for me. Where I was like, okay, I like this. Like maybe this this will be me. You know, maybe I'll be in the office. Maybe I'll have a projector and I'll be saying a a PowerPoint or something like that. It just made me feel really comfortable to come in and meet everybody. So I can't wait till graduation. Of
0: course. That's awesome. I see, I see a future entrepreneur in the making. I see greatness in you key. When you, when you fully let go of that, let that smile loose, it's infectious. People are going to listen to you. All of that stuff is possible. And so much more you'll take, you'll take the training from our program, get all that information in the brain and figure out uh, how to monetize it and create your own thing one day. And, um, you know, you, I, you we're possibly talking to a future millionaire, billionaire here, uh, later on in life. And, uh, maybe you'll be hiring us one day, but, uh, I want to say this though, I, 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 22 years old, most of my life, I struggle with limiting beliefs about myself. I mean, especially with intelligence, not thinking I was smart enough to go to college. Here you are about to take the IC3 digital literacy certification. You know you're studying all week. 22 years old with everybody else. Did you have any limiting beliefs about yourself that came up? Like, can I really do this? Can I cut this? Can I can I do this 5:30 to 9:30 every night for six months? You know, especially I know you are working a full time job sometimes, and and you're um, I don't know if you still are, but I remember sometimes you were at class while while working your job until you until you got off. And, and that's part of what it takes, that commitment, that dogged determination that I'm going to make it and nothing's going to deter me. And here you are. But was there anything in your mind saying, I don't know. I don't know if I could cut it. And how did you break through that if there was?
1: Um, yeah, I have like a, I would say mine is more of like an emotional boundary where They have this expectation for you to be one way, you know, and I'm a very fluid person. So, like, what would hold me back personally would be, like, I don't know. Like for me, I, I I don't like to be emotional. You know, I don't like to open my life up to people when they see me cry or they I, or what some people would call weak or some people will call strength. Um, you know, I just don't. I don't like to show that emotion too much. But what Jason and Richard really wanted us to do was to embrace who we really were and our emotions and be able to. Let us know like it's it's like everything is it's okay. You know. I felt like they did give us it's okay. That it's okay that you were incarcerated, it's okay that you were a felon, it's okay that you were a prisoner. Mm. You know, it it's okay because now you're not anymore.
2: Mm.
1: You know? And me, like I was going down that path. I was going down that path of I don't care no more. I don't care. I'll keep coming back. I'll keep putting myself back in this in this bad place. As long as they keep letting me out. I was fine with that that cycle. Crop made me want to change my mental and my emotions that were holding me back. Cause I, cause honestly, like it was still a, a, a battle. Uh, everybody knows what fast money is. Fast money is money that you really don't have to work for. You just kind of be, gotta be like the entrepreneur. You gotta have a mouthpiece more when it's fast money. So it's a little bit easier than going out there and working at nine to five. It's easier than me being in class with Jason, from um, from 530 to 930 when I could just go outside. And make way more than what he's currently giving me within these couple hours. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's an internal battle there not to just change my mind and go back that way. Sure. But I feel like with me motivating myself to finish out and continue to be here and to have a, a bigger dream, that makes me win my battle.
2: Yes, indeed. There's an old saying, <clears throat> if, if you don't want what you've been getting, then you might want to try something new, right? And I want to commend you for not trying, but doing something new in your life for yourself, for your family, for your community. And I, I want to invite you into just a little bit of a vision casting session. And if you'd be willing uh, to share with us, Key, what is your vision for your life five years from today? Where are you at? What are you doing? What's going on?
1: Okay, that 10 year plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, my plan, I, I always have a plan, a family in my plan. It's like, that's just who I am. I love having a family. I have, love having support around me, good energy, vibes. Um, But honestly, where I see myself, like where I want to see my face, I want to see myself in the school systems. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to target young minds at an early age so that their thoughts aren't drawn to negativity. Um, I want to make it easier for us to learn things that, you know, life wants us to know, and I want them to be able to retain that. So my end goal is to implant a learning system into the entire United States. If I can, um, that improves test scores, you know, SAT scores, you know, I'm more of my, the background that I want to target is like six to 12th grade, Mm
2: -hmm. but
1: that, that is like my 10 year plan there.
2: How much money are you making?
1: How much? Well, that's one no. that's why I said like the, the money part really isn't a factor, but i I did kind of incorporate that, uh, that I will be making a pretty penny. That's that's what right.
0: that's one right. of my favorite, <laughs> one of my favorite motivational speakers says money ain't everything, but it, money, money don't make you happy, but it sure helps. It sure helps.
2: <laughs> it helps make things yeah. easier. That's for sure.
0: You know, it feels good. It feels good to have a little extra cause especially when you're a giving person. And I see that in you key. Um, When I was growing up, I remember being poor, and I didn't get my first pair of uh, Jordans or Nikes until I was uh, in 10th grade. And I remember having the Payless XJ 900s and being made fun of at school because from a distance, they look like Nikes. But when you get close, they're like, what are those XJ 9000s? And Remember getting I
1: know huh? That's what they call
0: those. Yep. <laughs> you know? And getting made fun of, and you know how it is in 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 middle school and in high school. You know, man, we're having five pairs of pants, and you know, just limited amount of shirts, and trying to trying to mix it up, and going and you know having sticky fingers to try to have a uh, something different to 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 wear, and and um, going to work after school as well. And now I think about my nieces and nephews growing up, and and with the job that I have with Crop, being able to bless my sister the other day with some extra money for her three kids as they, the first one enters sixth grade and and kindergarten and first grade, and 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 to be able to say here's here's this and get them the clothes that they want and get them the shoes that they want and make sure they get some things that that they choose that they like and the backpack that they want, and it, it does. Help us to make a difference in other people's lives. And I, I know that you want to do that as a, as a person who loves family and loves community. <clears throat> I'm curious, we got a few more minutes here. Um, what's one of the biggest things that has uh, stuck out to you in this four months with Jason, with our team of 14? Um, something that someone said that you'll never forget. You know, sometimes we pe- we ask people, what's your favorite quote or what's your favorite experience? Um, Is there something that stuck out to you that you won't forget that motivates you or challenged you in some way?
1: Um, It's not really, it's not really like um, what someone said. It's actually just like the program itself. Like you guys also have, you know, similar backgrounds and now you're here teaching, but y'all Y'all not stopping here. Like, that's what I'm taking from this. Like, that's the main thing I'm taking. Y'all are not stopping here. When you guys come in, y'all always telling us something new that y'all trying to do for us. And so I'm grateful for all those new opportunities y'all continuing to try to give us. So that always makes me want to do more. It makes me want to sign up for the next program. It makes me want to continue to be motivated. So that is what I take.
2: Five I appreciate that. Wouldn't the world be a better place if everyone had the attitude of not only gratitude, but looking for ways to pay it forward and add value to the lives of others? Um, So I I appreciate that we have had some impact on your heart and your thinking in that way, Key. And uh, just super excited about your future and all the ways that you're going to contribute to the community at large. Thank you.
0: Key, it's been a, a blessing and an honor to have you on The Prison Post with us. Uh, this is our 52nd overall show. I remember when we first started, we're, we're on today um, with Darling New Media uh, Podcast Studios with Nate Darling, and I remember starting our, putting our first um, podcast on YouTube. And getting them first five, six, seven subscribers, and and getting to fifty and sixty, and wondering, man, could we ever make it to creator mode at a thousand? And, and um, you know, how do we, how do we get this with where we want to go? Um, with without the marketing dollars that some people have, and and sharing and continuously sharing and continuously giving back. And I love what you say about giving because I think being of service is the true way to stay free internally and externally and you, here we are now at a 1080 subscribers and you know a lot of different views and building this out and it's every one of these podcasts we've done have featured somebody who has a story everybody has a story and your transformational story you know you're unique to us and not only as a associate in the ready for life program but also as a youngest person to, to come on the show And to have, you know, the the charisma and the smile, and as Jay says, the swag, you know, Mm -hmm. we're just grateful for you. The future is bright. Love your 10-year vision. And it'll probably be way more than what you thought it would be. I know when we cast our 10-year vision, um, we could have never imagined that it's been so much more than what we cast back then for our 10 years back in 2012, 2013. It's been so much more. And so... Keep striving, being committed, dedicated, and being your best, waking up every day. For me, I put on them motivational videos, you know, the business business videos or YouTube. they putting team. on LinkedIn videos, you know. That's what I'm <laughs> yeah. doing right now. Seeing you, right. now. <laughs> seeing you on LinkedIn and doing your thing. But um, thank you again for coming on the show. Uh, do you have any final words you'd like to share?
1: Um yeah uh thank you guys again like crop is just amazing it it is a real opportunity do not take it for granted if you do join the program once again um they're they're sacrificing their time even their money just for the us to succeed in life so truly I am grateful for the opportunity thank
0: you thank you. Thank Jake. you.
2: Well, I just want to say this. Key, Key made a comment about you know us reaching the stars. And uh, you can only do it when we have associates and, and colleagues like yourself um, who are willing to put in the hard work, be Literally. in the hard conversations. And uh, you know you are the proof in the proverbial pudding of what transformation looks like and success looks like. So thank you.
0: That's right. That's right. And I won't ever mistake you for days again. <laughs> 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 all right. Well, to those who are listening, please share with your friends. You could subscribe to us on YouTube. On YouTube, of course, follow us on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. We're on all the major uh, podcasting places Amazon Podcast, Google Podcast. And learn more about crop creating respo- restorative opportunities and programs. You can go to our website at croporganization.org. There will be a link there to our link tree take you to all of our social media channels and show you all the great things that we're a part of. You can see who our associates are, see some of the other podcasts that we've done with them, the amazing transformative work that they've done in their lives and the ways that they're committed to a future worth having. Thank you, Keith, for coming on the show. This has been another episode of the podcast. Thank you, Jason. Bye everyone. Thank you for listening to The Prison Post, a production of The Crop Organization we'll be sharing more stories from the world of prison reform and restorative justice so please join us you can listen to the prison post on all major podcasting platforms subscribe to our video cast on youtube and like us on facebook at the prison post and at creating restorative opportunities and programs